21, John chapter 14, we shall read from verses 16 all the way to 31. Right? So there, let's begin reading. Verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the Lord cannot receive, because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall also live. And the day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judah saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wouldst manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before, come to pass, that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me. But the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go thence. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us look to him in prayer. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for seeing us through the week. Lord, we thank you that thou hast kept us and preserved us. We thank you for bringing Rei back into our midst from his um, school trip as well. And Lord, we pray for thy Holy Spirit to search our hearts even now. If we have sinned against you through the week in anything, even today, in words, in deed, in actions, Lord, may you show to us. Lord, that we may confess, seek thy forgiveness, and bear the fruits of repentance by thy grace. So Lord, we desire to be cleansed thoroughly in the blood of Christ tonight that even as we come, your Spirit will be free to move in our hearts, Lord, moving and teaching and convicting and granting to us obedience. Lord, we do desire to see our Saviour more, to know his heart more as we study the book of John. So, Father, we pray that you may send your Holy Spirit to be in our midst to teach us. Lord, grant to the preacher the anointing of power from above to speak in the breaking of hearts. Father, we pray for the hearing that each one of us would desire to know what would you have us to do, Lord, that we may obey. So be in our midst now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Alright, so now we move on to the next part. Now please remember, what is the context? The context is the Lord Jesus was about to go to the cross, right? Mm -hmm. Judas has just left him and now the Lord Jesus is having a very personal and intimate conversation with his disciples. These are the faithful ones and the context is also, uh, maybe I ask, Anna, do you remember how were the disciples feeling? Confused. What else? Correct. They did not want the Lord Jesus to leave them. Now that is a very important context because many things that the Lord Jesus says hangs on this. They did not want the Lord Jesus to leave. If you don't understand that, then many verses here becomes very confusing and you have wrong doctrines. All right. So thank you, Anna. Yes, they did not want the Lord Jesus to leave. They were confused. They were fearful. That's why the Lord said, be not troubled. Chapter 14, verse 1. Let your heart not be troubled. Now, that is the background. Alright? So, with that background, I will ask you many questions. Okay? So, we learn together. Now, here the Lord Jesus, um, after telling them that you are going to do great things, you are going to go forth. Now, don't worry. Although I, your master, is going to be crucified, but your mission has not ended. Remember? They were worried that, oh no, if our master goes and he's crucified, then who are we to follow? What are we to do on earth? Now that is also very important because chapter 15, if, if you're able to do that tonight, that is another important point to understand. So with that, maybe I ask, now Anna, uh, Mabel, why do you think in verse 16, the Lord Jesus would say, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. What do you think the Lord Jesus wants to tell the disciples that? I'll send you a comforter. You know what's a comforter? Who? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Very good, because we read earlier on. Not the bed comforter, right? We also say tongue comforter. But it's very comforting. Now, why do you think the Lord wants to tell them, I'll send you a comforter? Very good, right? To comfort them because they are troubled. Verse 1, they are troubled. So the Lord says, I will send another comforter. Now, please take note of this word, another. I will send you another. Like Anna said, they did not want the Lord Jesus to go, right? Now, Anna, if your daddy and mommy, your daddy, your daddy is leaving for a business trip, then Anna said, don't go, don't go, don't go. Alright? And then, then I come and tell you, Anna, don't worry, I'm here. What would Anna say? No use. <laughs> not very comforting. <laughs> right? Not very comforting. I'm not close to Reverend Joseph. I want daddy, right? So they want the Lord Jesus to be with them. And when the Lord say, I will send you another. Now, in Greek, they will be very clear what it is. In Greek, there are different words for another. Alright? One word is heteros. Heteros means different. Another, but it's different. Okay, like, um, maybe I put it this way. Uh, if you are um, trying to open, open a can, you're trying to open a can, and then you open, open, that, that, that can opener doesn't work for particularly what you want to do. Okay, then you say, um, I need another tool. Get me a hammer. <laughs> now, that's another. It is different. But you're trying to use that to do the same thing, alright? Another, it's different. 
In fact, the word heterosexual, you know, heterosexual means what? Male, female, right? Both are human beings, but different sex. So it's another, a different. But here the Lord would use the word alos. So the moment they say, the Lord Jesus says, I send you another. Alright, so Anna, if, I, if, if your daddy says, I'll send you another, another person. Bitch, another. But if your daddy says, another that loves you, maybe I'll send you mommy. Yeah? Both love you very much. It's the same to you. It's the same. So this another, this alos, is another but of the same kind. Exactly the same. So when it says another, they're not going to think, oh, another, what's the use? Another, I want the same. When he says another, he's talking about a different but exactly of the same essence with him. Then it's comforting, right? Then it's comforting. And if not, it's no use. So when he says another, now this is very important because... Those who do not believe in the Trinity. Do you know what's the Trinity? God the Father is God. God the Son is God. God the Holy Spirit is God. Right? Actually, it's very strange. They would accept that Holy Spirit is God, but they don't accept that Jesus is God. Very strange. But here, because they say, oh, the Spirit of God, so He's God. But here, when the Lord Jesus says, the Comforter is the same as me, means He's saying also that the Comforter is God and He is God. All three of them are God. All right? This is another um, proof of understanding that the Comforter is also God. So sometimes people ask you, how do you know Jesus is God? Uh, sorry, how do, you know the comfort, how do you know the Holy Ghost is God? We just covered that in BBK on Sunday. Uh, who attended? Uh, Jocelyn, I think you attended. Did you attend? The previous Sunday. I said there are three proofs that, that, the Holy, that God... The Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit are God. How do we know that the Holy Spirit is God? Okay, baptism of Jesus. But that only proves that they're different, they're distinct. But can you think of occasion where the Bible is very clear that Jesus Christ is God? Mabel, do you remember? No, Holy Spirit is God. Okay. Okay, spirit descend, but that is to prove that they are distinct, they are different. They all were appearing at the same time. Samantha, do you remember? Because sometimes people ask you, how do you prove the Holy Ghost is God? Because the Muslims will come and say, no, the Spirit of God, why do you say He's God? Do you remember? Well, anyone listen in BBK or not? <laughs> okay, ask those that definitely will remember. Shenrei. <laughs> First John, no. Okay, 1 John 5, 7, can these three are one. But that proves that they are one. The one that is very clear that Holy Spirit is God. Vincent? No, just alright. At least the occasion where it proves that the Holy Spirit is God. Because someone went for evangelism then came back and asked one. So I want to make sure we know. Because the person said, yeah, the person during evangelism say, no, the Holy Spirit is not God. The Bible doesn't say that. Anyone remember? Emberly? No? Hannah? No? Very good. Acts chapter 5. Let's turn there. So be very clear. Acts chapter 5. When Jesus says another, he's talking about the same in essence. It's God also. Acts chapter 5. Okay, so now you remember? 
Which verse? Say again. 24. Okay, let's... Huh? 3 to 4. Okay, let's read together. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart, that thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God? Right? Now, who did, in verse 3, who did Peter say they lied to? The Holy Ghost. In verse 4, who did this, who, who, how does he describe the Holy Ghost? God. Emily, alright? Okay, so this is the proof that the Holy Spirit is God. The Bible does say the Holy Spirit is God himself. Okay, so now, now we move. So look at, let's turn back to John. You mean, previous Sunday, no one remembered this. I was teaching about God. And then these three things about Trinity. So this Sunday, BBK, I'll ask again. <laughs> we must know our God well, all right? So verse 16, I will send you another comforter, like um, Mabel has said, because they were sad, they were troubled, so God will send them a comforter. Now, this is the time where Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit as comforter, okay, as comforter, because of what they are feeling. Okay, now, this is where um, a big part of Christendom believes in a particular theology. And the theology about the Holy Spirit is this. You look at verse 16, huh? so look carefully. And I will pray that the Father, He shall give you another comforter, that He um, may abide with you forever. Forever. Okay? So, a big part of Christendom, Christians, take this verse and they say, Emily, um, in the Old Testament, people had the Holy Spirit or not? Yes, okay. Did the Holy Spirit stay with them or the Holy Spirit sometimes come to them and then the Holy Spirit leaves them? For the believer. Stays with them. Hmm? We believe that. But now I challenge you, Emily. So I'm the other half of the Christendom. I challenge you. Emily, look. Look at your Bible. Verse 16. It says, Give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. You see, in the past, the Holy Spirit did not abide with them forever. The Holy Spirit leaves them. So they believe that in the Old Testament people, certain believers have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, even if they goes to them, He leaves them. But only in the New Testament, then the Holy Spirit will abide with them forever. Understand that? You understand the argument? Okay, so now I ask you, how do you explain that? Having known the context, how do you argue that? You read verse 17. I give you the clue and then you tell me. Because there are many Christians who believe this, so you must be very clear in your heart. Verse 17, let's read 17 together. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Okay, so now with these two verses, you are going to be um, defenders of the truth or, or detectives, alright? Try to understand, get the clue, and then um, defend the truth. Shane, you want to try? Yes, you're right. So many people say they don't, don't even know who the Holy Spirit is in the Old Testament. 
then it's not true because in the Old Testament when you read, they do talk about the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 1 already, God talks about the Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit moved upon the waters. So the Jews, they knew. Okay, they knew. So now, can you find the clue in verse 17? The, in verse 17, it tells you that the Holy Spirit are in all believers and the Holy Spirit um, is always with, with a believer and does not leave. Shenri, you want to try? Okay, so the first point, Shenri says, so I, I'm arguing with Shenri. Uh, Shenri, no, you see verse, verse 16, you see, this time only in the New Testament, then the Holy Spirit will abide with you forever. In the Old Testament, they leave, and then Shenri answers me. Shenri says, no, 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 you look at verse 17, verse 17, the Lord Jesus told the disciples in verse 17, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you. You know why he dwelleth? Every time you read King James, dwelleth, anything that earth, giveth, sayeth. You know what is ETH? ETH is the Old English for S. S. Alright, Anna? Um, he play badminton. Is it correct? Very good. He plays badminton, right? You're going to speak like King James. You say, he playeth badminton, alright? So that is how the English is back then, alright? That is ETH. Anything you see ETH means singular. It's an S, alright? Get it, Emily? Alright, so ETH is S. So you can, um, in what we'll say, for he dwells with you. What, what does it mean, dwells? means it's present, right? Present tense? Alright, present tense? Present tense. Now, so Shani's first point to me in this argument is, the Lord Jesus told the disciple, He dwells with you. Means presently is with them. Hmm? Presently is with them. Then, what else will you say, Shani? Can I use verse 16? You can use verse 16, yes. 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 Very good. You all can hear. That's why five rows very difficult. Three rows may be easier. Come, you know, come and say. <laughs> all right. So Shenri rightly gets it because now what's the context? Anna already told us, right? The context is they don't want Jesus to leave them, right? They don't want Jesus to leave them, and then Jesus says, "I will leave you, but this Holy Spirit which is already in you." He dwells in you. He will not leave you. In fact, in verse, 16, verse 17, he emphasized, and shall be in you. Means he is already with you. Unlike me, physically I'm leaving soon. He is already in you. And he will not leave you. Do you understand the argument? You must understand the context. Otherwise, you will also say, yeah, I think the Old Testament people don't have the Holy Spirit. Only in the New Testament, then the Holy Spirit dwells in us permanently. No. The Lord Jesus, otherwise the Lord Jesus will be saying very confusing things, you know. He is with you, but then He will dwell with you forever. It's either He has been with you, or He has not been with you. He has been with you, and then He says, unlike me, who is living, 
he will not leave you. Understand? Alright, so that's what you're saying, right? Okay, good. Now the context is very important. So I'll ask one more time. Um, Jesslyn, did the Old Test did, does all Old Testament believers have the Holy Spirit? All believers, alright? All believers, just like them. And did the, did the Holy Spirit who dwells in them ever leave them? Then why is Jesus here saying, and shall be with you? In verse 17. Why does the Lord Jesus say, and shall be with you? Yes. In other words, maybe I explain it this way. All right. Um, okay. Sharon and I are here. Right? Sharon and I are here. And I'm going away. Okay, I'm going away. And then some of you say, Ah, don't go away. I hope you say that. <laughs> ah, don't go away. Don't go away. All right, then I say, well, um, Sharon is here and she will always be here. What am I saying? Am I saying that Sharon has all the time not been here? No, right? Sharon has always been here, right? So the fact that I added that phrase, don't worry, although I'm going away, Sharon will always be here. Does it mean Sharon previously was not here? No, right? So this is, okay, Mabel can. Yeah, so this is what the Lord is saying. He's not saying that Holy Spirit did not used to stay with people. Now onwards, He stay with people. No, He's simply comparing to Himself who is leaving. That's all. Alright? So I hope that you are very clear because I, those who teach that the Holy Spirit only comes to people and then He leaves them in the Old Testament is absolutely wrong. It's a false doctrine. You cannot believe that. It is not an option to say, ah, their belief is up to them. That's not. The Lord is not saying that. You cannot twist what He's saying. Now, I ask you one verse that is very affirmative. Anyone can think of it? That all believers have the Holy Spirit. Romans, right? Romans chapter 8. Anna, do you have the Holy Spirit? How do you know? Because you're a believer. Alright, so Romans chapter 8 will tell you that more clearly. Alright, Romans chapter 8. I'm looking at Acts chapter 8. Okay, let's read um, verse 9 together. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Okay, um, Lime, what does the second part of verse 9 tell you? If any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. It means? You're not a believer. You're not a believer. Alright, so the Bible is very clear. The New Testament, you say, oh no, that's just the New Testament. No, the New Testament is explaining to us what it is always, what it has always been the case right from the beginning. I say this again, huh? This verse is in the New Testament, right? Is it only talking about New Testament believers? Did Paul say only in the New Testament? No. He's saying that from the beginning, 
anyone that don't have the Holy Spirit is not a child of God. He did not say after Christ came. Understand that? Okay, so it's very clear. Now, so now we, we, we have established the doctrine very clearly from the context, right or not? From the context. That's why I always tell you when you read the Bible, understand the context. It's very important. Otherwise, you end up with false doctrine and you miss many lessons. Okay, so that's your question number one, actually. Okay, question number one I've answered. Now, question number two. Now we move on. So we talk about love already, right? Uh, hmm, okay. Uh, let me ask someone. Uh, Elaine, what is the proof of a believer's love for Christ? We will keep His commandments. We keep saying we love Christ, but we disobey His commandments, then we are lying, right? So I asked on Sunday, actually I asked a very difficult question during Keen's Q&A, and I ask you now. And I cannot answer because you gave the answer. Someone asked, if, if someone asked, is the Ten Commandments still relevant for us today? Emily, what do you think? Why? Why? Has to do with what Elaine just said. If you love me, keep my commandments, right? So if the Ten Commandments are not relevant, then what do we keep in order to show our love to Christ, right? Understand? So the Ten Commandments are relevant, which is why I say we must know the commandments. Most of, maybe you just try and test your friends in school. What are the Ten Commandments? Your Christian friends, huh? Your Christian friends. They ask non-Christian Ten Commandments, they give you different Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not come to school. <laughs> Thou shalt not listen to parents. Alright, so they have their Ten Commandments. Now, one of the reasons I believe that the, the Christendom has also come to a stage where they say no need to know commandments, no need to know commandments. As long as you love God, that is enough. So how can you love God if you do not know the God's commandments, right? How can you love God when you don't know God's commandments because you, you don't know whether to keep, you don't know what you're supposed to keep? Shane, what is the first commandment? Thou shalt not have... <laughs> okay, but number one, zero, right? No other gods before me. Um, Samantha, what's number two? Very good, two parts to number two. Uh, what is number three, Elaine? Mm, no, three. Three has to do with Trinity and then... As long as you know one of it, at least you know you must keep the Sabbath, right? Keep the Sabbath is which one? Four. Okay. So where's number three? So Jaslyn. Yeah, you must not take the Lord's name in vain, right? Now, if you don't know that, then you say, "Oh my God, jeez, you're taking the Lord's name in vain." You know they are not supposed to. When we were in in um, Melbourne, um, we drove past this church. And it's just at the junction. It means all the traffic that stopped there is going to look straight at the church, the front of the church. And on top of the church has these huge letters which you can see from mouse. And the huge letters were three alphabets. O, 
What's that? M G. Dime, what's OMG? Oh my God. When you do WhatsApp, when you do um, Facebook, when you write short forms, do not use the Lord's name in vain. Understand that? And people always say, G's. You know G's or not? It's short form for Jesus. Alright? They're making fun of God's name. Jesus. And also of that. And even like, Oh dear. Oh dear. Maybe I'm pushing it, but I try not to use oh dear also. The son of God is what? The beloved, the dear son of God, right? Oh dear. So many of these things. So you must know God's commandment is, oh, I must not use God's name in vain. Okay, just one last one. What is number seven? Anna? I not Very good. I shall not commit adultery. Okay? So you must know all this. At least you must know them in your heart. Then keep them. Knowing them is no use. Alright, so now we move. So now we come to question number two. In, in chapter 14, what are the names of the Holy Spirit? What are the names of the Holy Spirit? Who can spot very quickly? Hannah, ah, let me call someone else. Ah, I forget your brother's name. I know Shane, Joash, and Justin. Okay. Joash, can you find another name? The comforter. Comforter, all right. That's why the first one is always the easiest. <laughs> the best is to quickly volunteer. Alright, it gets harder now. Justin, you want to try? Very, very good. I thought most of you will miss it. Verse 17, Spirit of Truth. Another name for the Holy Spirit. It's called the Spirit of Truth. What else? I think that's the only two you find here. Can you find anyone else? I may miss out. Yes, very good. Holy Ghost. Okay, Holy Ghost also. Or Holy Spirit. Now, someone asked, why, why Holy Ghost? Why Holy Ghost? Anyone knows? Okay, since you answered. Vincent, why, why is it called Holy Ghost, not Holy Spirit? And not Holy Spirit. Are the same, yes. It's the same. It's just, it's just old English. Give up the ghost. Alright? They don't say ghost. The thoughts that don't come to their mind, the, this, the olden English, the thought that comes to the mind is not just what we always think, ghost story, ghost. Woo, that kind of ghost, alright? To them, ghost is, is simply the spirit. Okay? So, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, the same. Right? Some people say, I, I, don't like, I don't like King James because... They call they call spirit they call the Holy Spirit a ghost. It's just different English, all right. You don't pick on these things. It's just different English. They they they, they meant exactly spirit, all right. So Vincent is right. That's that's all. Is the English is different. Just like when I say if I were to tell you today, I'm very gay. What happens? All of you will run away from me, right? But in those days, gay means what? Happy. That's it. Happy. All right. Today, gay means homosexual. All right. So. It's just ghosts. They, they don't mean anything. They're not trying to make fun of the Holy Spirit or give him and call him a ghost. All right? So um, that's not the argument against King James Bible. So now, but the comfort, so that Holy Ghost, very good. So now I ask the part. Do you know what is the Holy Spirit's role? 
in your life. The Lord tells us here, what are his roles? Alright, so who want to volunteer first? Emily. Um, comfort us. Comfort us? Okay, good. Alright, to comfort us. Now, we often forget that. Do you realize the Holy Spirit is a comforter? Okay, he comforts you. Another question is, what is the next role? How does he comfort you? What's the next role? Lee Mei, can you find any? To abide with us, yes, he, he will stay with us in that sense. Um, any other roles? Lee Mei, try another one. It's further down in the chapter. What about verse 26? Very good. Alright, the Comforter will teach us. The Holy Spirit will teach us. What else does He do? This one I talk about all the time. Hannah, what else does the Holy Spirit do? Very good. Bring to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Whatsoever the Lord Jesus have said. Okay? So Anna, you got the roles? Okay. So now how does the Holy Spirit comfort us? That's the question. Anna, how does the Holy Spirit comfort you? Once you know His roles. When you understand His roles, you know the Holy Spirit comforts us. How? Yes, very good. The Holy Spirit helps us to remember God's Word and God's Word comforts us. Understand that? So it's very important to understand how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit doesn't work in a strange way. Eh? You wake up in the morning, then you have shivers and it's, oh, I feel like I'm, I'm being comforted and I feel like I'm so strong today. That kind of thing. People say, oh, the comforter. And then sometimes they, they, they just say, I kneel there, I kneel for one hour, then suddenly I feel peace in my heart. Right? The Bible says the Holy Spirit has certain roles and through those roles He actually comforts us. He comforts us by helping us to remember God's Word. I'll give you an example how. Now, actually maybe you give me an example how. Jesslyn, has God's Word ever comforted you before? Can you remember an occasion to encourage us? Many occasions. Any particular verse? Any verse that's precious to you, then oh, when you remember it, then you felt comforted or encouraged or strengthened. Anyone that comes to mind now? No? No? Yes, I was thinking of that verse too. I will not leave you or forsake you. Maybe sometimes you feel alone. Sometimes maybe you're in trouble. The moment you feel that no one can understand. How does the Holy Spirit comfort you? Is it a hand that comes out of the wall and then pat you on the head? No, the Bible tells us He brings to us the remembrance of whatever Jesus has said. The verse that you quoted, who said that? The Lord Jesus, I will never leave you or forsake you. Right? So, when those verses come to your mind, do you realize it is not by chance? 
Those verses come to your mind because the Holy Spirit is now working to help you. To help you. And when that happens, you must realize the Holy Spirit is working. He's working. Okay, they're not chance, random chance that happens. But I ask you, then another part, what about teach? What about teach? Sometimes you experience something, but it becomes not real until the Holy Spirit brings you through an experience and begins to teach you some lesson out of that situation and God's Word become very real to you. Have you, done, have you ever done your devotion then you read, 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 then suddenly that part becomes very real to you and you really understand what God means now because you're experiencing um, that trouble and the Word of God comforts you. All right? So the Holy Spirit will teach. Um, then I ask another question. Can you remember something that you have never learned before? Emily. How to remember something you never learned before, right? So, um, Justin, do you read the Bible every day? Not so. Right? Many of us fail that. And when we fail that, when we are in difficulty, when we are in trouble, or when we need comfort, we need strength to live um, through a situation, then the Holy Spirit wants to bring to remembrance God's Word, but we don't read it, we don't keep it in our hearts. There's nothing that comforts us, right or not. Instead, we remember things of the world. We remember a movie. Oh, when that happened, then this is what the person does. doesn't help. Why is it important to study God's Word? Why is it important just to read? When you do your devotion, sometimes you don't understand, I'm reading, I don't know what, but I just read. You never know that one day, that passage, that event, that verse, the Holy Spirit is going to use to help you through a situation, to strengthen you or to comfort you. So you just read. It's a bit like just collecting. So many of you are studying. I mean, not many of you, almost all of you are studying, right? Um, Lime, do you study algebra? You didn't study algebra. How can you not study? Everyone did algebra, right? No? Oh no. <laughs> now, right, algebra. Right, algebra. See, that is kind of like the what the Holy Spirit does. <laughs> Reminds you. Alright? So you studied, you see, you forgot. That's exactly the point. You forgot, right? But you studied before, right? When you were studying, you, you didn't remember this called algebra. Alright? Then suddenly someone reminds you. Ah, okay, algebra. It's the same as doing a devotion. When you read or when you take FEBC course, you say, I don't know, I take FEBC course, I just study, 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 I don't know what's the point. But do you know what's the point of studying algebra? <laughs> when you go and buy things in the supermarket, uh, you're actually using algebra all the time in your mind, right? But you don't know, but you're using it. Now, if you never did algebra, and then you really never did algebra, if the cashier cheat money, which very often in this Chinese lunchtime. <laughs> if they cheat you money, then you calculate, then you don't know how to calculate, right? It's the same as studying God's Word, reading God's Word, taking FEBC course. Sometimes you just take. Because sometimes we say, oh, yeah, actually all these very, a lot of details, no point, no point. Can you imagine if you went to school, teacher, I don't want to study algebra. I don't want to study grammar. I don't want to study, by the time you come out, you don't study what? Trigonometry, right? Then you can't walk straight <laughs> or drive straight. Now, I don't study all this. You know what will happen when you come out in life? 
you'll be very handicapped, right? Very handicapped. Studying God's Word is like that. You study, the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance. And then the Holy Spirit over time will teach. They're becoming true and more true in your life. Alright, so that is why the, the Holy Spirit, understanding the role of the Holy Spirit is very important. And once you understand, then you understand you must study. You must know God's Word. I always tell this joke. It's like the Holy Spirit go into your head or your heart. And then He dig, 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 dig. Try to bring something to remembrance to help you. But then there is nothing for Him to use except John 3.16. All of us know John 3.16. And it's always John 3.16. But as you study God's Word more and more and more, all the verses, all the events, ah, I remember I'm going through this. Ah, King David went through something like that. Um, Daniel went through something like that. Daniel is what? There to be like Daniel. Then in school you're being bullied. Or in school you're challenged. Then will you, will you compromise? Ah, Daniel went through that. And this is what Daniel did. And then God helped Daniel. You see all the passages come to... How did it come? The Holy Spirit is bringing it to your heart. So you must know God's word. That is why we emphasize on that. Okay, so that is why I want you to be able to answer question number two. Anna, why is it useful and important to study God's Word? The Holy Ghost wants to Mm-hmm. And if you bring those remember those things that you read long time ago even to your remembrance and help you in that situation, right? Now if you never read, you don't know. And then we make a lot of wrong decisions in life. Okay, so now we move. Question number uh, we move first. Alright, so now we move to now, before that, I want to also highlight one thing. Now, look at verse 22. So now we move to the third question that, that the disciple asked. First question was by Thomas in verse 5. Second question was by Philip in verse 8. Third question is now by Judas. Not Judas Iscariot, but Judas. Um, and he asked, let's read verse 22 together. What did he ask? Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Now, why did he say that? The context is taken from verse 19. Let's read verse 19 together. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, and ye shall live also. Okay, so now the Lord says, the world, a little while, the world is not going to see me, but you will see me, because I live. I will live. Right? He's telling them, I will come back to life. And then here, Judas is a bit um, confused. Judas said, Lord, you, you say we, only we will see you, but Lord Jesus, why don't you appear to the whole world? Huh? Why are you only appearing to us? Understand what he's saying? The Lord said, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to come back to life. And then they said, you will see me. So Judas asked, Lord, why do you only show yourself to us? Why don't you show yourself to the world? You know why he's asking that question, right? Why is he asking that question? Mabel? Why he asked the Lord, why don't you show yourself to the whole world? So that the whole world may believe. The whole world may believe. And why does he want, why as an apostle, or as a disciple of Christ, why does he want 
the other people to see Jesus rising. Remember the context? They felt that if Jesus died, and then they have no more credibility, right? No more credibility. Ah, but Lord Jesus, if you come back to life, can you please do us a favor? Show yourself to the world. And then they will believe that we are your apostles and we are useful people, right? That's why he's asking this question. Okay, can you please, please show yourself to the rest of the world. Don't just show yourself to us. We want our mission to be, to be recognized. Understand that? Now, then he says, um, what did the Lord answer? Now, this is a very strange answer. So why don't you show yourself to the rest of the world? Verse 23. All right, so now I'm going to ask Ray. All right, see if you're a good detective and understand God's word. Get the clue. Jesus answered in verse 23 and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, why did the Lord Jesus suddenly talk about love me again? Say, Lord Jesus, why don't you show yourself to the whole world? Now, if you love me, keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, yes, that is the one of the contexts, but now the Judas wanted the world to see Jesus physically, right? See Jesus physically. But is Jesus now talking about when Jesus said in verse 19, but ye see me, but ye see me. Do you think it's physical seeing alone? Because they're going to see Jesus for how long? For some time, and then the Lord Jesus, remember in Acts chapter 2? Now, and now, when the Lord Jesus rose, He appeared to the disciples and some of the people. What happened after that? Did He remain permanently on earth? He went up to heaven. So, is verse 19, is the Lord saying that, is the Lord simply saying, you will see me physically? Actually, in verse 23, He's saying, no, no. No, no, no. Judas, you misunderstand me. I'm saying that the believers, those that love me, those that keep my commandment, they will see me in their hearts. They will know me in their hearts. That's why he says, verse 23, we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Who is we? Jesslyn, who is we? In verse 23. The Father and Jesus, right? The Father and Jesus will come and live in the believer. Um, how do you... Alright, so uh, Ray, get it? Alright, so the Lord is saying, if you are a believer and you keep my commandments, you love me, we will live. Come and live with you. Anna, how do you feel? Now, Anna, who is the person that you admire most in this world? Yeah, that you say, wow, the person is coming to our house. Don't say Pokemon, please. <laughs> Anyone? Don't have? Person in your family, maybe your relative. Your dad, alright? Your dad. Okay. Now, say dad says, I'm coming to stay with you, uh, spend time with you. How would you feel? Very happy, right? So when you and I read this, uh, that God the Father and... Jesus Christ 
is going to come and live with you. How do you feel when you read this? Many of the time we read this and we just move on. Judas, Christ is trying to tell Judas, Judas, you may see me physically, yes, that's good, but do you know what? We are going to live with you. Live with you. How, how that must fill the Christian's heart with joy. Do you ever feel lonely? In fact, this verse must comfort you. Do you ever feel that, oh, like Shane, Shane is going for national service soon, right? Shane, very soon you will feel alone. Very soon you will feel that the brother that you really can't stand, suddenly you miss him. <laughs> and all the things that you think about home, you are going to feel very, very lonely. But then when you remember this verse, God says, I'm with you, I will never leave you. The Holy Spirit is with you, shall be in you. And God the Father, as you keep His commandments, you obey Him, God the Father. Although church is here and you're in some jungle in um, Singapore, God says, I avoid with you. Understand that? It's very comforting. You, you are not going to feel that until you go there. I remember when I went overseas to study. It, it's very strange. I was alone in the room. I miss family. I miss loved ones. But there's one thing that's clear in my heart. But although I'm far away, but the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost is still with me. There is absolutely no change in that. It's very comforting. That's why when the Lord says, remember they are, they are sad, they are afraid, they are feeling um, that they need comfort. And that's why Jesus is saying all these things to them, understand that? Jesus is saying all these things to them because He's trying to comfort them. Um, so please understand this. When you are alone, when you are sad, when you are diff- when struggling with things, remember, just remember God the Father says He's with me. But I also have a question. You know some people... Um, say this. Okay, maybe I ask Lime. Lime, if a Christian tells you this, a so-called Christian tells you this, maybe a Christian steals something from you, steals something from you, in front of you. Then you say, no, you cannot steal, right? And then the Christian say, no, 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 it's okay, because God will always love me, and God is always with me. Because the Bible tells me, God says, He shall be with you, and he will live with me, and all that. How do you answer this person? Look at the verse, alright? Look at verse 23. The person says, Oh, God the Father and Christ always lives with me. No, no problem, it's okay. You know, Don't get so angry. Don't, don't take it so seriously. It's okay, you can steal too. Because God the Father will always be with you. Hmm? Yes, you have to keep his commandments, right? Now, there are, there are people, and I wonder if they're really Christian, who actually say, it's okay, God will always love me, and God's love for me will not change. It's okay, you know? God will forgive me. I'm not making this up, you know? Someone actually wrote a teens Q&A question to ask. My friend stole from me. And when I told the friend, the Christian friend, no, you cannot take my things like that. They say, no, no, it's okay. God will forgive me one. God always loves me. God always loves me. This is a very distorted Christianity. Understand that? 
you must check your salvation because God says, if a man loves me, he will keep my commandments. And God will only dwell with people who will keep his commandments. I hope none of you are, are Christians who just keep thinking, God will forgive me, God loves me, and you just keep sinning. You have to check your salvation, alright? God says, if you love any man who is in Christ, will love him, will obey him. We'll cover more of that after, in chapter 15. You know the danger of me not standing here is, I'll talk to 11 o'clock. Alright, it's 9.45, so I've got to time it. Now, let's, okay, so now please understand, Christ is talking about, is this his mere physical presence? No, his spiritual presence. And that again must comfort us. Alright, please remember this, huh? The Lord Jesus, in fact, you ever ask yourself, this very strange, you say, please don't go, please don't go, Lord Jesus, please don't go. But every time the Lord Jesus talk about that, He also talk about the Father. Hmm? Now, you look at verse, you look at verse, um, verse 21. Alright, verse 21. He say, He that loveth me, he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. Right? He that loves me will be loved of my Father. And then here, he does not say, I come and stay with you also, alone. He said, my Father will also stay with you. Really? Ashenri, why do you think so? Why does he... You see, they said, Lord Jesus, please don't leave. Then he says, if you keep my commandments, my Father will also love you. If you keep my commandments, my Father will also come and... And abide with you. Bonus. Yeah, bonus. It is true. It's another way of saying bonus, alright? Only teens will think of this word. It's bonus. He's telling them, now the Jews always knew who the God the Father is. Alright? They know the Lord Jesus physically, right? They say, Lord Jesus be with us, Lord Jesus be with us, you're the Son of God. But for them, they almost like forget that about God the Father. And the Lord Jesus said, do you know there's a bonus? The God that you always knew as Jews all the while, He is also, not just me alone, the Holy Spirit will be, I will be, the Father will also be abiding with you. So He's giving them triple comfort. You understand that? Triple comfort, not just me. You want me to stay, but I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, the Father and me will all be with you. What a great comfort. So, I hope we don't miss this point. As Christians, as students, know that this is something that God promises us. But it also means this. Huh? It also means that when you sin, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son is looking at you <laughs> when you sin. Right? It means that also. Right? So to them, they are, they, are, they, are, they, are, they are sad and they are troubled. So God promises that. Now, then we move on. Okay, then we move on to the next part. Alright, now the Lord says in verse 27. Let's read verse 27 together. Peace. 27, read, read, read together. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Okay, it's the same... Look at, let not your heart be troubled. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. Same words, let not your heart be troubled. Same thing again. Let not your heart be troubled. Let, let it, um, neither let it be afraid. So the Lord knows that they are going through that. He says, stop that, stop that. But He says now, peace I give unto you. My peace, not as the world giveth, 
I give unto you. Now, what is this peace? What is this peace? Do you have peace? Maybe I ask the other way first. Why did the Lord want to talk about peace? What is the context? Amberly? Give them comfort again, right? They are troubled. So the Lord wants to tell them about peace. Is the Lord saying comfort good enough? Now the Lord talk about peace. The question is, what is this peace? Um, what do you think this peace is? Shenrei, what do you think this, what kind of peace is this? The peace that passeth all understanding that the world cannot understand. Now, why cannot natural man understand this kind of peace? What's the difference between this kind of peace? Um, I put it this way. Shen, uh, Rei, do you find peace when you pass your exam and get very good grades? Before that, you're very worried. Uh, now you pass. Not ready? Uh, okay, you must cooperate with me. <laughs> Normal people, yes. They are, they are, they are very, oh, peace. All right? oh, exam is over peace, right? Exam over peace or not? Some, lah, huh? some at least, okay? Ask wrong person. Um, so, or, or you are going through a difficult health problem or, or maybe you don't have enough money, um, you worry about money, for education, for, for whatever, and then you're always troubled. Can you have peace? What is the disciples going through? The disciples are going through, Master is going to leave, right? They're going to be alone. The whole world around them is going to laugh at them. Stupid people follow a man that gets crucified, right? Your Master is a criminal. And then later on, they are imagining, they're imagining that the world will not only laugh at them, they will persecute them. And then they have no mission also. They wasted all their time. For the Lord to say, knowing their heart, they're worried about all the future. Are you worried about future? Emily, are you worried about the future? No. Okay, you all don't because you don't you think that there's endless, endless supply of supplies from parents because you don't worry. Once you're a parent, you worry. You worry. Um, you worry about will I get a job? You worry. And then someone just tell you, oh, yeah, peace. Does it help? It only helps if you know what kind of peace this is. It only helps that in a way which no one can understand if you only understand what peace Christ is talking about. First of all, look at that. Christ says, not as the peace I give unto you, verse 27, not as the world giveth. Does the world give you peace? The world tries to give you peace. You might find some peace in the world. Uh, Anna, you know it's peace. Peace means calmness of heart, you know, not trouble. Okay? Peace. The world tries to give you peace by saying, if you have a lot of money, you're safe. You have peace. You don't worry about the future. If you get a very good degree, you have peace. You don't have to worry about the future. If you have good health, you have peace. You don't have to worry about the future. If you have a big bank account, you have peace. And so on and so on and so on. Okay? If you have your degree already, don't worry anymore. No need to be troubled. Is it true or not? Um, Mabel, when you graduate with your degree, assuming that worry is over, you did graduate. <laughs> Alright? Do you think you have peace? What's the next worry? Can I get a job or not? Right? Then after you get a job, what's the next worry? Will I get fired or not? There's no end, right? So there's no end. 
But then therefore, the disciples were going to face all this. The Lord says, well, the world will offer you, offer you many kind of peace. But the Lord says, this kind of peace is not the kind of peace that I give you because you are going to depend upon what? Some external thing. You're depending on some external thing. Some of you find peace with friends, friendships. This group of friends accept me now. I, I feel very, I don't, I'm not troubled, you know, I'm part of their gang, so I feel very peaceful. But you're depending on something external. Here the Lord says, peace I give unto you. Whose peace? Uh, let's look at verse 27. Let's say it together. Peace I leave unto you. My peace I give unto you. It's my peace. It's the peace that the Lord Jesus gives. It's not the peace that the world gives. It's not the peace that things give you. It's not the peace that friendships give you. It's not the peace that money gives you. It's not the peace that a degree gives you. It's not the peace that popularity gives you. Because the Lord says all of those things, all of those things can go, can disappear. Why have the Lord just promised? That He will always be with them, right? And He will be with them. John is about Jesus is God, right or not? Jesus is God. If you have um, Anna, if you have one million, okay, kids don't understand yet. All right, uh, Kenny, okay, try to follow, but Anna will understand. If you have one billion dollars, all right, one billion dollars between that and the omnipotent God, which will give you more peace and security. Why? Uh, you will die, okay? So you think longer. If I die, but he's talking about them living in this world. Li living in this world. Okay? So their trouble is, I'm going to continue. No, Lord, you go, you, you, go and you go to the cross and then you die there, but we continue. They're talking about living. Why? Uh, something that money cannot, with money you cannot get. Yeah, but like maybe you get cancer. You have $1 billion also no use. You suffer. Right? But if God gives you cancer, that's fine too, because it's God's peace. Right or not? It's not dependent on, on billion dollar or cancer. Right or not? Do you know when the world war broke out? World war broke out. And then Singapore was overtaken by the Japanese, right? Do you know that if you, even you have one billion dollar in US dollars, it's no use? Or Sing dollars or ringgit, it's no use? You all, they all then change to what money? Banana money. They, I thought they call it banana money because on the money is all bananas, is it? Pictures of bananas? I think so. So all of a sudden, your money is no use. So you can have $1 billion, but if there's a world war, your money is useless. There's nothing in this world that is sure. That's why Christ said, we will be with you. And then he said, then you will have peace. It's my peace. My friends, I hope that none of you are studying or putting your trust in anything except Jesus Christ for peace. Friendships, you will lose it. They can betray you. Right? Nothing. Relationships can end. Nothing. Um, so Shane, when you go to Singapore, there's only one thing that you need. God present with you. That's all. Right? Everything else can change. Okay? And you don't have to feel afraid or lonely or fearful. 
Right? So I hope that when you're in the army, this verse will be what the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance. When you're shouted at, when you feel like giving up, right? this is Christ's peace. So this kind of peace, the world cannot give. Limei, do you put your trust in anything to give you peace? From today onwards, you find that only Christ can give you true peace. Then what does it mean? So okay, I put my trust in Christ. It means what? It means start to spend time with Christ. Make Christ your true focus in life. Because you say, now, if, if Christ is who I depend on, but you spend 90% of your living and waking moments in the week with someone, something else, and you hardly spend any time in the Word of God, in prayer, in drawing close to God, then are you putting your trust in these things that you're with, these friends or this thing that you're doing, or in Christ? That's the test. Alright? So now, I give you an example. Ray, um, do you trust in... What you trust in is proven by how much you, you spend time with, right? And what you spend your energy with, right? Now, if you spend a lot of energy on, on something else, then you can't say that Christ is your trust for peace because that God can take away. In fact, you realize that sometimes God takes away those things so that we stop depending on them. God can. Understand? Anna? All right? So sometimes when you put your trust in something very much, God will purposely take it away. Why? Because God wants to torture you? No. Because God wants us to learn early that these things can disappear, you early start to trust in me. Start to focus on me. I tell you this. Now, you have friendships outside the world, right? Young people always talk about friendships. You have a lot of friends outside the world, non-Christians maybe, spend a lot of time with them. Or you come to church and spend time with Christians. Hmm? and do things for the Lord. Because one day, um, your friends outside the world, they may betray you. They may sabotage you. They may... Or at the end of it, your friendships and all the time that you spend doing things together means nothing. It just vaporizes. Nothing. It's over. And then you find yourself troubled, lonely. But here, if you spend your time in church with Christian friends, doing things for the Lord, studying God's Word together, um, going evangelism, going old folks' home, um, doing songbooks together, doing camp together, preparations. No matter what happens, you will find that there is this joy that remains with you. In fact, I want you to skip a bit forward. Uh, I will cover that next week. Can you just look at verse 11? Uh, chapter 15, verse 11. Now, the Lord said many things to them, right? Said many things to them. Chapter 15, verse 11. Can, I, can we read verse 15? Chapter 11, verse 15. Chapter 15, verse 11 together. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Understand that? Now, Christ is going to say many other things which we'll cover later. But the summary of this whole conversation, Christ says, look at chapter 15, verse 11. These things, what we have been talking about, abiding in Him, 
uh, keeping his commandments, um, focus uh, depending on his peace. Christ, I say all these things to you, uh, for what? These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your, your joy might be full. Unless you don't believe God's word and you say, God, what you say is not true. Um, and then you go and put your trust and your joy in something else, you will find yourself disappointed. Christ said, I tell you all these things, believe it. Believe it. Okay? Now, let's come back to this chapter first. So, um, chapter 3, uh, chapter, avert uh, question number 3. Now, how can you have this peace? How can you have this peace? When you spend your energy, time, and focus on Christ, His kingdom, then you have His peace. If you spend your time, your energy, your focus on things of the world, now I'm not telling you don't study, don't study. I'm telling you if that is all that you do, then you have to reevaluate. Because you think that if I pass this, if I do well in this, I will have peace. Not true. Number four, why should, why should have the disciples been happy for Christ? All right, let's move. Okay, let's move. Now, let's move to verse 28. Shall we read verse 28 together? Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I go unto my Father, for the Father is greater than I. You know what the Lord is saying? So now I ask you this question. Why should the disciples been, should have been happy that Jesus is going away? So far, they're not happy, right? Right? Anna, they're not happy that the Lord Jesus is going away. So now, and I ask you, the Lord Jesus says, if, if you love me, look at, look at the Bible, Anna, verse 29, uh, verse 28. Oh, sorry, yeah, verse 28. Now, he said, he I told you I'm going away. But he said, if you loved me, Anna, you would be happy that I'm going away and I will come again. Why? It's good for the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Right? But the disciples thought it's not good for who? Not good for them. <laughs> not good for them. Selfish. selfish, right? Selfish. They're selfish, you're right. Is our love for Christ selfish? Christ said, if you really love me, you have seen me suffering. You know that I am God. You've seen me um, being bullied, being maligned, accused. Now you've seen all this. And for me to tell you I'm going away, you should be happy for me. I'm going to my Father. I'm going back to my glory. You should be happy for me. Is our love for Christ selfish? Very often, we want Christ only for our own joy. Lord Jesus, please help me pass my exam. Lord Jesus, please help me do well. Lord Jesus, please cure me of my flu. Lord Jesus, please give me this holiday. And so on and so on and so on. The Lord Jesus says, I'm going away. No, 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 don't go away. Is it really because we love Him or is it because of our own selfishness? So the Lord says, if, if you really love me. So Anna asks you the next question. Why is the Lord Jesus going to the Father something for the, that would be good? Where's the Father? So is it good for someone to go to heaven? Yes. If your loved one 
um, leaves this world and is a Christian, how would you feel? Yes, right? So, so Anna said, I will feel sad that they are gone from me physically. But at the same time, I feel happy that they are in heaven. Right? So I ask you this question. How do you view? Question number four. How do you view and respond to the death of a believer? Or even your own death? How do you feel? You feel, well, you will feel sad physically. They are not present with you. But for the Christian, never forget that you will also be happy for them. They are in the presence of the living God. You know how wonderful that is? Would you rather be here or in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ now? Definitely in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope none of you say until the football game is over or until the whatever is over. Oh, that is far more wonderful. So, now, not only that, the Lord Jesus says, I will come back to you. Now, he's also saying that I will have victory. You should be happy because I die, but I'm coming back. Right or not? Look at verse 28. If I go away and come again unto you. Means the Lord Jesus says, I will resurrect. Means I will accomplish my mission. I will die and I will resurrect. I will accomplish my mission. You should be very happy. You should rejoice that I've accomplished my mission. Successfully. To die for your sins. Okay, so I hope this... Now, one day you all will face the death of a loved one. I face... I, actually, the only death that I face of a loved one is my dad. So far. Um, and it's all these things that I've learned in the past that gives me comfort. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. He brings all these things that Christ has been trying to tell the disciples. He brings all these things back to my heart, in my case. And as much as it's very painful, very difficult, but I focus on Him in heaven. Then I can rejoice. Um, then I can rejoice. Every time I look at the coffin and look at His body there, every time I feel very sad and just want to cry, now there's nothing wrong with crying. Huh? Um, then I just think of the verse, absent in the body, then what? Present with the Lord. Then I think my dad, who I know all my life, the way he walks, the way he talks, the way he, he, he moves, he is doing all that spirit in the spirit, in the presence of Jesus Christ. Then he got to see Jesus Christ face to face before me. So all these things brings comfort to the Christian. That's why he's called a comforter. And he uses God's word to teach us and to comfort us. Anna, do you have a pet? No. No. Who has a pet? If your pet dog dies, does this apply? Elaine? Uh, no. no, why? Dogs don't have a soul, right? Dogs' life is not eternal. Okay? You feel sad that it's gone. That's it, it's over. It's over, that's it. Now, let's, let's move, alright? So I hope that we are learning some of these verses that will help us through difficult time. So even your own death, I ask you, are you, uh, who's the youngest? Anna, I won't keep picking Anna. Emily is quite young too. No, who's older? You or Ray? You are older, alright, Ray. Are you looking forward to your death? <laughs> Very hesitant, yes. 
How do you view your own death? How do I view it? Mm. Uh, That God has decided my time on earth is gone and be with Him in glory, right? So that is how we view. Sometimes, because we don't know, young people can get cancer or not. Young people can get cancer. Young people can acquire terminal disease. Um, Anna, you know it's cancer? It's a disease that is very severe, right? Very severe. Say again? Hard to heal, correct, okay? Can young people get cancer? Yes. Now, if any one of us, um, according to God's providence, get cancer at a young age, then you lose your hair, then you go very skinny, are you going to feel very sad that you're going to die? Uh oh. <laughs> then you think of this verse. It is actually something wonderful. I remember uh, a, a young person had cancer when I first became a Christian. Then uh, in my first church, then I don't know how to behave. I always try to avoid the lady. Then one day I ended up standing next to her, and then just two of us. So you cannot avoid anymore because as a teenager, I don't know what to say about these things, right? And I said, "Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that you have cancer. I'm so sorry that you know it's it's uh, it's your last day. I'm so sorry." Then she looked at me and she smiled. Why, young man? Why are you so sorry? You know, how do you view death? It's a wonderful thing for a Christian. I'm going to be with the Lord soon. I hope that this happens soon. God has now planned for me to be going home soon. Why do you feel so sad? <laughs> you should be happy for me, right? This is what the Lord is trying to teach the disciples. Sometimes when we are facing things, then we become like the disciples. Our brain gets very confused and then we are very troubled and then we are very afraid. In fact, you know, the Lord said, Be not let your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. You know what is afraid? Afraid is fear that imagines things. Afraid is a fear that either you worry about things that happened in the past or you worry about things that will happen in the future. That may not be. That is kind of afraid. You're afraid all the time. And then you, it troubles you all the time. The Christian should not walk around, even you have cancer, with long face and fear and trouble. The Lord says, that's what the disciples are going through. They say, don't be troubled. Alright? Some elderly person recently kept saying, in fact, he was preaching the gospel to another person at a housewarming. Then the person said, oh, you know, we're Chinese, how can you talk about death? death talking about death is a, like, a very bad thing, you know, a very bad omen. And then this old man, this elderly man, Uncle Tony, turned to me and said, uh, you, know, you know, for them, uh, they don't like to hear death. But for me, after I became a Christian, I didn't realize this anymore. To me, talking about death is a, it's a natural thing. It's a wonderful thing. That's all. And so I hope we will see that. Because Christians can bear a bad testimony when we become troubled, long-faced, afraid, when we are facing something serious in life and then we lose our testimony and Christ say why why you should be happy for me right so I hope we learn that lesson okay let's move the next question is this oh okay let me see if this is a logical point to stop Okay, just one more question and then we end. Uh, 
Okay, we do question number six and then we end, alright? Now, question number six, we'll do five another week. What did Jesus mean by my father is greater than I in verse 28? Now, I know you know the answer, but I'm going to keep teaching you this because John is about this. I'm going to keep teaching you this until it's very, very clear in your heart because um, you will always face this question from uh, unbelievers. Now, what did Jesus mean? So the Muslim comes up to me at Murdoch University and he shows me this verse and he says, Your Bible, Jesus Christ himself said in John chapter 14, verse 28, he said that I go to the Father for my Father is greater than I. So he said Jesus is not equal with God. Jesus is just a created God, small, small g God. He said that the Father is greater than him. Your Bible proves to you that Jesus is not equal with God. Ray, how are you going to answer that? So you go to Murdoch with me. Then I look at Ray. All right, Ray, answer him, please. <laughs> Is greater in terms of function, but not in essence. What do you mean by that? It means that they are obviously God, but it's like, for example, the, the child to a father, it's not necessarily that the father is worth more, but it's just that because the child is born into that family, he has to obey the father. Mm, they have different roles. Yeah. Alright, okay, so now... Uh, so it's different roles, greater in terms of the function, a different function. Who sent Jesus? Who sent Jesus? The Father, right? And Jesus says, I obey the Father, the Father sent me. So the Father is greater in that sense. He is the sender. That's all. Now, how do we prove that? Because you turn the person to verse, chapter 14, verse 7. Let's read chapter 14, verse 7 together. Um, reading, If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him, and have seen him. Remember this verse? Why did Jesus say this? He said, when you know me, it's as good as knowing God the Father. When you see me, it's as good as seeing God the Father. In other words, he's saying, I am the same as God the Father. Right? So Jesus is not contradicting himself by saying the Father is greater now. He said, you see me, it's as good as seeing the Father. Equal, identical, similar, and not similar, the same in terms of God's attribute. But he has a different function. It's a different function. And he's the sender, that's why I say he's greater. And he said, the Father tell me to go, I go. The Father tell me to come, come back, I come back. That's why I say he's greater. That's all. Alright, so please be very clear about this point. Okay, so I think with that we end and then next round we will do... You go back and think, okay? You go back and think. Chapter 15 is the next I am. Chapter 15 is the next I am. We just read the next I am, chapter 15, verse 1 together. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Okay, next round when I come back, I'll try, I'll, I'll try and remember to ask you. Contacts again. Based on the situation, the conversation is continuing, and Jesus suddenly tells them, I am the true vine. 
Then you read the rest of the chapter. Why did Jesus start to talk, talk about him being a vine and us attaching ourselves to him? Okay, think of context. All right, so let us pray.